0: to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Colin. And today we watched the 1997
1: Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, uh, which is the Brandy Cinderella. It's It's the Brandy brandy one.
0: It's the Brandy Cinderella. So good. I was so happy about this. I thought that the 65 one had ruined this for me forever and I was mad about it and it didn't. I'm just, I'm happy.
1: I feel like the first time I watched this with you, I liked it, but it was like, it was fine.
0: It was okay. I really liked it this time. I liked it much better this time. Yes.
1: And because I'm like more familiar with the songs, I'm actually enjoying them because I know what comes next. Then it's the thing where your brain likes music more if it's not completely
0: new to you yeah also you're able to pick up more nuance because the songs play in the background as background music Mm -hmm. so they'll play 10 minutes ago in the background they'll play a girl like her when we first meet the the stepsisters even though they haven't sung it yet so if you don't know that that's the song it's not it's like a it's
1: like a leitmotif
0: yeah it's it's lovely it is actually literally a leitmotif and it's wonderful
1: so So i loved it i was looking forward to this because i knew i was gonna like it It was just so nice to go into a recording day knowing that we were going to watch something good. Yep. Yep. Just knowing that and just being able to relax
0: and just enjoy myself. Absolutely. So this is the iconic multicultural Whitney Houston, Whoopi Goldberg version. I somehow did not watch this as a child. So I watched this for the first time a few months ago when we were initially just watching Cinderella's for fun. So I don't have a nostalgic tie to it, but it is really excellent.
1: I also don't have a nostalgic tie to it because while I did grow up watching this, like when it was on TV, I would watch it. I took it out from the library a bunch of times. Uh, It wasn't like my first childhood Cinderella. I grew up (laughs) up on the Russian one. And so I saw this one when I was like probably 10 for the first time and I liked it and I like it now but it's not like the Cinderella of my heart
0: (laughs) so that's gonna have to be a category now isn't it
1: (laughs) so just having gone in with that I still had like a really good time
0: likewise yeah so we open with Whitney Houston who is the fairy godmother singing the beginning of the impossible song and Every time we see Whitney Houston on screen she's surrounded by spirals and glitter. Just yes. I thought that it was weird to open on The Impossible Song. It it got weirder. I, don't I didn't see that part. I think I started watching after it started. Oh, so right before the the opening title plate it starts with Whitney Houston singing the opening lines of The Impossible Song. I completely missed that. Okay. That's well, that so is how it's weird. That is how it starts. And it's bizarre because, I mean, if, you, if you're if you coming into this for the first time, it's pretty obvious that she's the fairy godmother. She's just literally throwing off sparkles and glitter. And it's weird that she's saying that it's impossible. It sort of sounds like a joke, like maybe she's saying, oh, it's impossible, sort of sarcastically almost. But knowing how that song goes, it's extra weird. I don't know. it. I was initially confused. Just like, why, why is this happening again?
1: Do you think it was happening just in case people were worried that Winnie Houston wasn't going to be in this? Possibly. To just be like, yes, she's in this. We, Don't worry. Here she is.
0: We promise. She's in here. She sings. She is a whole lot. We promise. I'm not sure. She's got very, very curly hair and lots of little tiny ringlets. Uh, she's wearing sort of a gold gauzy gown with a big neck. Um, like a collar piece. Yes, yeah, like a big collar piece that goes just around the back of her head. It's very like Dracula. Yeah, she's got a gold Dracula cape. And she does ask permission to enter the house when they meet her. So, hmm. And she does say that she's 600 years old and Vlad the Impaler was around in the hmm. 1400s. So we might have Are to. Are you saying Whitney Houston is Vlad the Impaler? I'm not not saying that you said that, <laughs> but I'm 100% agreeing with you. <laughs> so we open on this really glorious village market scene. Talon can you describe
1: it somewhat? Okay. So first of all, the camera is pointed at ground level. So you're just at first seeing people milling around and you're just seeing their shoes mm-hmm. and despite that, it's still like very engaging because everyone's wearing these beautiful colors and everyone's shoes and dresses and pants look very different. And some of them are doing dance steps. And then you get the intro, which is like a music medley Mm -hmm. of all the songs in there. So if you already know the songs, you're like, oh, that one and that one. And I like that one too. Yep. Yep. And then there's this really big swell of the music and we pan up and we see the stepmother. We do. And then- right behind her the two stepsisters and the camera shows them to us like one by one by one and then behind them trailing behind them is brandy as cinderella with all of their bags
0: yes and they're wearing very chromatic clothes they're, they always appear in unique colors And just very large outfits. They walk in a very mincing style. It's very clear. It's a great introduction to the step family. I just, it's one of my favorite step family introductions. Mm -hmm. Because it's just them being sort of nasal and annoying and hurry up girls. It's, it's very funny. They're Um, very like, kind of mother. Yes, it's great. So we see Cinderella for the first time. For anybody who has not seen this version, um, do you want to describe Brandy? Okay. She's got, like, really
1: long, like, low skinny braids, and she's wearing this really long, like, very dowdy dress with a long apron, Mm -hmm. and she's got, like, a head wrap covering the top of her head, and she's just looking around with this odd look on her face.
0: She's also, like, incredibly beautiful, like, ridiculously beautiful human being. So we debated calling this the multicultural Cinderella because... Uh Cinderella is black. The fairy godmother is black, obviously, Whitney Houston. The Prince is Asian. One of the stepsisters is black. One of the black. The prince's mom is Whoopi Goldberg. The prince's dad is completely white. Uh the mean principle. So they just they just cast everybody totally colorblind and it's excellent. It's never addressed, it's never mentioned, it doesn't matter. And it's just delightful.
1: And I think they did a really good job, like, casting for each role
0: specifically. They did, they did. Like,
1: every single person, I couldn't imagine anybody else in that role.
0: Agreed, they cast some excellent, um, excellent people. The stepmother, by the way, is played by Bernadette Peters, and she is a riot. She's my favorite stepmother, hands down. So the, so the stepsisters start to try on some incredibly ugly hat. And they ask Cinderella, and this is the first time we really get a line from Cinderella, and she says, very softly and sweetly, because her entire persona in this movie is just sweetness, just sweetness personified, kindness and sweetness. But she says, well, I don't know much about hats, but it doesn't really flatter either one of you. And it's great, because she's not being mean. She's clearly found the most politic way to say that's an ugly hat, guys. It's hideous and obviously the stepsisters yell and you know stomp off about it but it's i think that's a really great encapsulation of her character of just i'm not going to tell you a lie to make you happy but i'm going to be as nice as possible and that's a nice take
1: on cinderella she comes across as very unfazed like very above it all yes like she doesn't seem to she doesn't act as though she's afraid of them no she's just very like this isn't a priority for her she's in the city she's surrounded by beautiful things she's daydreaming she's having a wonderful time and their problems are like not a problem for her
0: yeah so she starts cinderella starts singing the introduction song um looking at the and she's looking at a bunch of couples who are in love. She's and also
1: looking at a puppet show in which a beautiful purple puppet prince proposes to like a puppet princess.
0: Yeah, And he great.
1: looks like the prince from the Russian cartoon Cinderella. He
0: does. I have a note about the puppet show too. So then we also meet what is very obviously the prince, although he is dressed in common clothes, just a a red shirt that's got rolled up sleeves and a you know brown trousers and they he starts also singing the same song about oh I'm I'm looking for love the sweetest sound or whatever that song is
1: so the song is like I haven't heard the sweetest sound that I'll ever hear I haven't met my true love yet I know they're out there somewhere and mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing and beautiful
0: it's the sweeping romantic song and it's so well done because they're singing it in a duet around one another they're not interacting with each other they're just nearby in the same stall but keep crossing paths but they don't interact with one another and it's such an excellent setup of we're both looking for the same thing clearly we're going to find it in one another but we get to build this tension as they cross paths several times without meeting and then of course they meet because a carriage startles Cinderella and she drops her packages into the ground and he runs over to help her.
1: Yes, and he's like, "Oh, just like those royals, not caring about anybody else." And in a classic Cinderella move, she goes, "Oh, I'm I'm sure they were going somewhere important." And I think she like I can't tell if she's being sarcastic in the sense that like she knows they think they're going somewhere important or if she's
0: just genuinely that sweet. I read that as a very sweet line. I read that as the the equivalent of someone speeds past you in traffic and cuts you off and you go, you know, I bet they're on their way to the hospital or something. It's totally fine. Just, I'm not even mad about it. Instead of being like, that person's being a jerk. I think I think that she really, I read that as an incredibly sweet moment. He sees that she is gorgeous and asks her for her name and she says it's Cinderella, and he gives her this look and of confusion. And she goes, well, I sit in the fireplace, and I get cinders on my face. And he goes, oh, Cinderella. Huh. And she goes, it grows on you. And it's just such a great reaction to the Cinderella name.
1: I love it because... He does not say it the way you just said it. He goes, Oh, Cinderella. <laughs> and like he's so delighted by the fact that he figured it out. And <laughs> I would like to posit that the prince is a himbo. He's very beautiful. Yes. And I think he's a little dumb. And I love him. I want to be very clear he's an incredibly handsome man, yes. he has a beautiful smile. Mm-hmm. Um, You didn't mention this earlier, but I feel like it's very important. His hair is brushed forward at this point. And later on, when he's being a prince. Yes, this again. When he's like being a prince, his hair is brushed back. And so I think that's important because he's in disguise. And that is a disguise that would 100% work on me.
0: You have face blindness. We've established this. You forgot for eight years that I wear glasses. I just think that maybe people
1: listening to this would want to know what his hair was doing. All right. He has forward
0: hair when he's being a peasant.
1: Yes. So they start talking a little bit and they're just kind of having like this little bantery back and forth where the prince is like trying to sort of flirt with her a little bit. And she's basically telling him, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to know me a lot better than some stranger on the street. Like, you don't know me. And he's asking her how she'd like to be treated. And he's like, oh, I bet like a princess. And she's like, no, treated like a person with kindness and respect. Yes. And, it's then, such he, a good line. <laughs> and then he like reacts with like, oh, you're not like most girls, which is a line that I think a lot of women have heard. Um, when I was identifying as a woman,
0: I definitely heard it. It's a line that I think guys think are is a compliment and it's, it's not a compliment. It's it's not. It's it's negging. It's left-handed at best. And I loved her response because her response is she goes from sort of smiley bantry to very serious face. And she goes, what do you mean? And at that moment, he realizes, oh, I just said a dumb. That's insulting what I just said. And he goes, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean he apologizes, And she waits for a beat and sort of smiles and forgives him. And they have a a meaningful glance. And then the stepmother appears to yell at her for talking to strangers. No, that's not what happens.
1: There's my favorite line in their entire exchange, which right after Cinderella forgives him, she goes, it's just that I've led a pretty sheltered life. And he goes, me too. (laughs) And this is where they really buy.
0: Oh, right, right, right. I did forget about that. Sorry.
1: Because... They're just talking about how they just wish they could run away from the same thing every Every single day. day. Right. And they're talking about very different things, but they see this connection in this random stranger where they're like, you get it. You totally get it. And then she gets yelled at for talking to a stranger and she's like, I gotta go. And the prince kind of looks at her leaving and goes, I hope I see you again, Cinderella.
0: It's very sweet. And then as they leave, they sing in harmony again, wandering off in different directions. And we end on this adorable stylized castle. It's this cartoon of a castle in the distance. How am I getting everything wrong?
1: Um, I think I took better notes than you did. You
0: must have taken better notes. All right.
1: So he looks after her, does the, I hope I see you again, Cinderella line. She's walking off. He turns to walk off, but now she turns around to look at him. And as she's looking, she sees him get into the blue carriage that almost ran her over. Which means she knew the whole time that he was the prince. Like, as soon as he got into the carriage.
0: Oh, I totally missed that scene. Yeah,
1: and then it pans up to the castle to tell us he's the prince.
0: So here's the thing. You're a librarian. I think you can just type faster than me now.
1: I don't know what that has to do with anything.
0: I can't type my notes fast enough.
1: Well, you need to do better shorthand. Also, my notes say, in all caps, fully spelled out, not in shorthand, this is how you do a meet-cute.
0: This is how you do a meet-cute. This is an excellent meet-cute. So yes, we do cut to this adorable stylized castle, and we meet Lionel. Lionel is my favorite character in this entire movie. Said it, I meant it. He is the prince's butler, and is always stressing because the prince keeps sneaking out to pretend to be a commoner and he's getting really anxious about it and it's he's just he's got an accent and he's putting the prince back into his fancy clothes and just sort of begging him to stop doing this and then says a great line he says i can't keep lying to your mother there are laws about that and the prince just sort of whatever shakes his head and wanders past him and lionel mutters to himself he wants to kill me why does not he just run me over with his carriage it'll be faster
1: uh for okay. those of you who haven't seen this lionel is played by jason alexander who's um george Costanza on seinfeld and he brings the the nervous man energy
0: <laughs> he does this in full force He's so great in this. This In every other version that we've seen, this is either not a role or a absolutely nothing role. And part of this was definitely the producer's design to, to give this character more of a platform, more of a role and a personality. But man, does he take it and run with it. It's so great. He
1: also does a really good job of walking the line of being very frustrated with the prince and
0: also being 100% on his side. He does. It's a it's a great line, and he walks it excellently. I was going to stop agreeing with you. I was going to do that less. <laughs> <laughs> so, we meet the king and the queen. The queen is Whoopi Goldberg, and she's wonderful. They're wearing purpley clothes. The queen has a a tight gown with like a big skirt, and the king is wearing sort of a purple smoking jacket. It's it's a pretty great look actually. And so they're discussing things and. They're clearly plotting something,
1: and the prince is like, what is this? And the queen uh, the queen says, well, you know, we're just having some people over, just family, a few close friends, and all the eligible young ladies in the kingdom, just four or 500.
0: Well, before that, we get the line, we were just talking, and the king says, your mother talked, I listened. And it's, <laughs> it's a great line. Uh, the father is mostly there
1: to do like, a couple of like really quick one-liners and then yep. just be a foil for Whoopi goldberg he's, which is
0: excellent yeah he's just her straight man and it's fabulous so the prince says that he doesn't want to go and the queen goes says to her husband what's he saying and <laughs> the king looks at her and goes he's saying he doesn't want to go to another ball and then Whoopi goldberg just squeaks whenever she is frustrated or overly excited or confused, she makes this eh, 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 sound, like a you squeeze a hamster too hard. It's just
1: <laughs> if you ever listened really it. close
0: to a rabbit, like the sound that rabbits make if you listen real close.
1: But she imbues it with so much emotion, you can always tell what kind of squeak it is. Oh yeah. So at first they're like confused squeaks, like ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and then they're just sad. They're just a sad squeak. <gasps> I, I can't do it. I'm not no, Whoopi Goldberg.
0: No, but it's great. Just a sad squeaks. Very high-pitched.
1: So she makes the so sad squeak and she kind of dramatically walks over to where she was sitting and kind of throws her head in her arm and <laughs> goes, Max, my smelling salts. And then when nothing happens, she stops fake crying and goes, Max, mm-hmm, and kind of like does like a go on face. And he goes over to a son and is like, oh, I must have a conversation with my son. And he goes, son, we just want you to be happy. And she goes, no, happiness has nothing to do with it. We just want him. Of course, we want him happy, but we just want him settled down and married and producing an heir.
0: Yes, it's a great line especially because normally you would get that sort of line from the king. Normally the king is the one pushing the like, you need to have an heir, my son. I must have a son to carry on the name. Normally that's sort of a father's line and it's really great that it's Whoopi Goldberg pushing it. I I find that really excellent.
1: I get the sense that she just wants them to retire. Like she's ready to just go on a lot of vacations.
0: Oh yeah, I, I get that feel. And so the prince responds with, you know, I'm not opposed to this, but I just, I want to be in love when I get married. Like you were. And we get this really cute moment with the king and the queen where they just sort of look at each other and have a little handhold moment to sort of, oh, you know, we were really in love. And it's just a sweet moment. It's, I liked it. So he agrees to the ball and- I don't think he does agree to the ball at this point. uh, No, they just go ahead. Well, he says, he says like, I just want to make you happy or something. Yeah, but
1: he doesn't agree to No, he doesn't agree
0: to the ball. You're right. He says something like, I want to make you happy. And the queen goes, oh, yay. And immediately starts planning again. And we get the line from the prince, sadly. You didn't hear a word I said. And he sort of sadly walks off. And she continues joyfully planning the ball. That's what happens.
1: That's what happens.
0: And so then, as an excellent intro, the queen starts dictating to Lionel a proclamation. And it is the intro to the his royal highness christopher rupert lancelot frangelica
1: i didn't write down the name this time
0: no how he has write down the name
1: i'm sorry they say it very fast (laughs) he has a really long name and they just they read it out and that's the gag is that his name is long and at one point one of the names that they're listing is herman and usually after, so they say the name herman and then somebody else goes herman and they go herman uh but in this one (laughs) when Lionel asks Herman Wolfie Goldberg says Herman and answers so proudly like she's like yeah yeah Herman (laughs)
0: Herman. it's it's really good so we we cut from that into Lionel actually singing the song and reading the dictation of this proclamation and it's a really great song and they do it really well this song is an expanded version so there's a lot of lines in it about different types of food and different types of cloth, and we get this big dance scene with women in the village carrying loaves of bread on long wooden sticks, and people carrying bolts of cloth, and people rolling barrels of wine, and it's just, it's a full-on Rodgers and Hammerstein dance number, and it's excellent.
1: It's very reminiscent of the Prince Ali number from the Aladdin cartoon.
0: Yeah, it's it's real great if
1: you want like a point of reference um so what i really liked about this version is before they just have like one character sing it and there's bits where like somebody gets like one line here one line there but here they broke it up between a couple of characters so they have Mm -hmm. lionel well they have the queen started and then it goes to lionel and he's singing it because he's doing the proclamation in the street Mm -hmm. and then you see the stepmother hear it and then she runs into a store because this is still all happening on the same day and Cinderella and the step family are like still there shopping. Yes. So she runs into the store and then she sings part of it to her daughters who sings some of it back to her. And then it goes back to Lionel because now he's like, well, we need all this food for the ball. We need this and this and this, and we need it's, all of these decorations. Mm-hmm. And he gets more and more frazzled as it goes on. And by the end of it, he's mixing up the prince's names. With, with ingredients?
0: Yeah, with ingredients. <laughs> so he's like, His Royal Highness, Christopher, Rupert, Lemon, Blueberry, Fitzherbert, Montgomery, Marshmallow. It's just, it's really, it's a really funny gag because it's getting faster and faster. And again, he brings such strong nervous man energy (laughs) that it just, it's really great. And I love that. So in the other versions, we get montages of random women, women that we do not know or connect with at all singing, oh, I wish I was thinner. I wish I was smaller. I wish I was older or younger or not married or. Various things. We don't get that in this one. We just get the stepmother and the stepsisters singing, he's having a ball, this is great. It'd be wonderful if he chose me, I wish he'd choose me. And it makes so much sense that they are the ones singing that and that they're who we're watching because they're the ones in the story that we're watching. (laughs) And I just, it makes so much more sense to do it this way than to try and incorporate literally random villagers who we will never see again. And it was great. And it ends on this big dramatic note. And then we get one tiny little reprise right at the end as Cinderella hears it and goes, the prince is giving a ball. And it's just so sweet. It is
1: very, very cute. And yeah, I completely agree. They really streamlined it. For a number that goes on for a while, it's really engaging, like especially visually engaging Mm -hmm. the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I just think it works really better than it did in the previous two versions. Even though I like the Julie Andrews one,
0: yeah, I think I think this one really it had it had the luxury of being shot in multiple takes. Although some of the more complex dance scenes are shot in a long, like a prolonged single shot with a panning camera, so they're they're really intense and very uh, elaborate. But you do get the luxury of doing it more than once if something goes wrong.
1: I I will say that it doesn't feel like a tv movie because it is a tv movie just like the previous two were and the middle one oh boy does it feel like a tv movie
0: it sure does the other two do not
1: this one feels like it could have had a theater release if they'd wanted to
0: it's you know yeah it it meets that standard agreed so we cut to cinderella's home and my notes just say oh my god magical swirly
1: it's a very art nouveau house with these beautiful elegant curving designs and just really like
0: organic shapes and also two peacocks big peacocks they're, they're carved they're not real peacocks yes they're, they're not real. i'm so sorry over the door but the house is shaped sort of like an acorn if you've ever if you've ever looked at a picture of like a gnome house and it's built into a series of mushrooms okay you know what this is this what? is if
1: a hobbit and an elf got married Mm-hmm. And build, like, a beautiful hobbit hole
0: with, like, elf designs. Yes. That's what this looks like. With sort of a big Art Nouveau splash. Lots of tiles that are decoratively swirled along the walls. And lots of stained glass windows that are oddly shaped. Genuinely excellent. 10 out of 10. Would live there. Wouldn't want to dust. It is also
1: incredibly tacky. like I love it. <laughs> beautiful, but just so over the top. All of the color choices are really intense a lot it. of purple and green. I love it
0: I don't care I love it <laughs> <laughs> It is not an elegant house so they they file up to the, the step family files up to the door and the stepmother exhaustedly sighs for Cinderella to come and open the door.
1: They all stand single file in front of the door for a really long beat mm-hmm and then they all turn to look at cinderella who's also standing and she's at the back of the line and carrying
0: all of their things their stuff yeah so she's just kind of looking at them like what's happening now and they're like the door and she goes oh okay and she goes and she opens the door and lets them in and we get the long list of cinderella take my gloves cinderella take my hat cinderella do this and at one point the stepmother asks her Have you have you dusted the house? Have you dusted everywhere or something? And Cinderella pauses and looks at her and goes, "No. I've been out with you in the village all day." (laughs) She goes, "Not yet, stepmother. I've had a busy day."
1: And the stepmother is so mad and she goes, "You've had a busy day." And she's like, "Yes, I've been shopping at the village with you
0: all day. I loved it. That was such a great." It's so good.
1: This is, why, this is why I don't know if she's being sarcastic or not because she's either achieved the level of Zen I just cannot fathom <laughs> or she is like just messing with them. She is doing the one thing that is the most aggravating thing that you could do to a person who's angry at you. And it's just be completely calm
0: and very reasonable. So I would like to think that but I don't. I think that she genuinely has just achieved that level of zen based on a couple of things that happen later, based on the song the stepmother sings about, you know, how she super fell in love once and it sort of implies that it was with the father.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then how later Cinderella says, you know, father, you know, you wouldn't believe how much she's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. So I think that she is just really zen and just sort of trying to make the best of something and is just too sweet to be sarcastic just well no I was out with you in the village okay you just think she
1: has like this wellspring of patience
0: I think she does which wow I have have none patience I am one of the least patient people that I know so it's baffling for me to watch well
1: either way both are qualities that I have a lot of respect for whether she is just messing with them or she is genuinely that kind and patient like both are equally impressive Mm -hmm.
0: so the stepmother starts to have her daughters prepare for the ball by putting books on their heads to balance and we then get a little bit of exposition dump where the stepmother says everyone said that i should have kicked you out when your father died but i didn't and then she says everyone says i have too big a heart and her daughter's saying unison you've got too big a heart mother It's great. You get the sense that this has happened multiple times before. This is definitely something that happens a lot.
1: Did you happen to catch the two stepsisters' names?
0: Yes, their names are Minerva and Calliope. Incredible, incredible names. We should describe the stepsisters because we haven't done that. Yes, go ahead. (laughs) So Minerva is the Black stepsister and she actually is very lovely. She has a very pretty sort of heart-shaped face and curly black hair. And she's very chubby. She's very curvy, voluptuous. We're going to go with voluptuous. Mm-hmm. So she wears a lot of pink. She's she's shorter. And then Calliope is the other stepsister. And she is very tall and gangly. She's incredibly pale, uh, incandescently white, one might say, with flaming red hair. She has bangs cut very short to give her the longest, awkwardest face possible. So that's, so that's what the stepsisters look like.
1: Did we describe the stepmother yet?
0: We didn't. Other than Bernadette Peters. We didn't, other than saying Bernadette Peters. Do you want to describe the stepmother?
1: Sure. So the stepmother actually doesn't look very much older than the stepdaughters, Mm -hmm. which I I usually find confusing, but they did a really good job of like really distinguishing all three of them. Yes. Uh, She has very, very short, not short. She has very, very tight curls that are like in this big waterfall on her head that she kind of wraps up and they're just kind of cascading it's very bellatrix yes they're they're escaping more than
0: cascading she has very unmanageable curly hair and she also wears very vivid colors Mm -hmm. and very very tight bodiced things she's um she's definitely showing off her figure
1: and she's like kind of a
0: petite lady and she has a very like high-pitched voice yes kind of like a baby voice (laughs) yeah it's it's sort of nasally and distinct let's go with distinct so um cinderella asks her stepmother if she can go to the ball and stepmother mocks her and says you know what do you think the prince would fall in love with you? you you need to know your place and cinderella starts to say well if my father were alive and the stepmother just looks at her and goes but he's not and it was just
1: Yes, but then Cinderella says, he's alive in my heart. Which, I don't know, I'm I'm telling you, I think that she's really talking back. Like, she's really trying to, like, I throw that back in her face. Like, this is something she, you can't take
0: away from me. Okay, but she says,
1: he's alive in my heart.
0: She says it so sadly and so meekly. She I says just... it
1: very softly, but I believe that she's she's kind of arguing in
0: her own way. I, I think this is her attempt at having a spine, but she's very, I get very strong pushover vibes from her, especially when she's with people that she's used to interacting with in a certain way, like her stepfamily. So she's willing to push back against the prince because he's a stranger that she met on the street, Mm
1: -hmm. but she has all this
0: history, all this luggage with her stepmother who we find out later used to be very different and did you say luggage instead of baggage yep i sure did (laughs) just checking yep Uh
1: (laughs) and then and then the stepmother says don't cling to the past cinderella it's not very attractive and walks away and the stepsisters demand hot water warm milk and cinderella walks away kind of repeating these things to herself you know cinderella hot water cinderella warm milk cinderella cinderella and then she starts the, in her own little corner song that starts with, I am as mild and as meek as a mouse, which I, I believe. always, yes. And I, I always do anything anyone tells me to. And the way she says it, it does sound kind of like she's chastising herself.
0: It does. My notes are that this is a more upbeat version of this song. It's a little bit faster than the other versions have been. At least I, I feel like it is. And I think so but she she plays it very differently so she's she's very sweet she's talking about being i'm a princess i'm a prima donna and she seems to sort of be getting into it and then she knocks over a broom and she visibly startles and sort of picks it up and glances around guiltily like she might be caught and stepsisters holler for her some more and she continues singing so i think she's i think she's definitely trying Mm -hmm. but she's definitely not a bold person she's not giving off the julie andrews i am just an incredibly imaginative person and i'm singing about it she gives off a almost like she's doing tryouts like she's mentally preparing to try to practice to be better it feels like a trial run
1: she doesn't have the same commitment that julie andrews did And I completely agree that she doesn't sell, that she's all in, like, completely embodying, like, the fantasy of the moment that Mm -hmm. she's singing about. But I think that the way that she sings the real parts, like, um, the ones that resonate with her reality, like, I can be whatever I want to be, or the world will open up to me, like, those parts, she sings Mm -hmm. with such, like, pathos. She does.
0: They also do a fun bit at the end where she's talking about I'm a, I'm a huntress on a safari and she starts to sneak up the staircase and she talks about finding a lioness in her lair, but she's forgotten her gun and she's clearly just peeking into the stepmother's room, like the room where the sisters and stepmothers have gone into. And I thought that was such a great Mm -hmm. use of the other characters who aren't part of the song, but she can still interact with them. I thought that was great.
1: So I, I'm on the record as this being my least favorite song. And I still don't, like, love it. i am never, like, oh, yay, this song. But I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it okay. I like the way that she interacted with all of the props. I know this sounds, like, really, like, minor praise, but she really, like, imbued the scene. And she played with the broom. Like, she held it like it was a spear. And when she ran away from the line, as she kind of, like, Ran back to the kitchen and closed the doors like she was scared. Yeah, and I
0: thought, I thought she did about as well as one could do
1: with that song.
0: Agreed. She interacts really well with all of the various scenery. Acting, that's the Acting. word. <laughs> yes, she acts it really- and she has a beautiful voice. There are yeah. some songs that I don't like the way that she sings them as much as I would like to, but she does sing the song really well. She has a very pretty voice. So we. the the stepsister holler for her again and then we cut to the palace and we see Lionel humming the the prince giving a ball song again
1: which is really cute I love when characters acknowledge musical numbers within like the
0: body of the movie it's so nice I also love it so Um, the
1: prince storms (laughs) into the room and he's like you have to cancel the ball I didn't say yes you know and the queen is like, well, what are we going to tell everyone? And he's like, you should you should tell them that you're very sorry and that you're ashamed of yourselves.
0: That you went behind my back and you really regret it. And she goes, and the, the king comes up and goes, well, I've never regretted anything in my life. I'm not going to start doing it now. No? I've never
1: been ashamed of anything in my entire life.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great line.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the king goes, I've never been ashamed of anything in my entire life, and I'm certainly not going to start now. And he says it like he's at a country club. And he's that's... like the villain in an 80s movie.
0: Which, okay, so I know that actor as the um, the bad professor from Legally Blonde. That's where I first yeah, saw him. So I'm him. I'm trying so hard not to have villain energy with this guy, because he's not. He's the king. He's charming. He's, he's in love with his wife. He's a good father. But I'm just, he doesn't really act it any differently than like the bad professor. <laughs> so I'm just... It was weird for me is what I'm saying.
1: He is, he's a wealthy white man.
0: And saying that he's never been ashamed, It's like, ah. There's a vibe. Okay, dude, that's fine. So, So
1: this is where Lionel really comes through because yes. he completely saves like this kingdom from like a <laughs> royal fight <laughs> by suggesting that, you know, the prince is going to go to the ball and the prince is like, Lionel, I thought you were on my side. Later. <laughs> and then Lionel is like, and then if he doesn't find someone to fall in love with, and he's like hinting at the prince to like finish the sentence. Mm-hmm. And it takes him a
0: while. It does, because he's such a himbo.
1: But then he goes, oh, oh, and then if I don't find someone, then you let me do this my way. And they all decide that this is fair and they hug it out. It's very sweet. There's and a lot he's of like.
0: she squeaks a bunch
1: yes you'll let me fall in love my own way squeak without any of these balls squeak. squeak with someone that I want to meet and like get to know and care about
0: squeak squeak yeah it's great
1: so the whole thing ends with him saying thank you I love you both very much he kisses both his parents Lionel falls off the ladder because the whole time they've been smacking him Nothing good ever happens to Lionel.
0: No, there's a lot of physical comedy with Lionel and some of it is really funny and some of it is not funny because people falling off ladders and onto like hard things isn't funny. It's a physical gag. Like it was really funny in the 90s, but now (laughs) I'm just like, oh, that really hurts. Physical gags are like, I'm trying to get through this shrubbery in a giant dress. That's a physical gag that remains hysterical. But- I got pushed off a ladder is just, that's, you could have serious back injuries. That's, you could hurt yourself. I don't
1: like I that. thought it was funny. I was I, fine with it.
0: I spend way too much, I've fallen off too many high ladders, okay? I could tell. <laughs>
1: so the king and the queen walk off hand in hand while Lionel's in pain on the ground by himself.
0: I rest my case. <laughs>
1: uh, and then we switch back to the stepmother and the stepsisters, and they're really getting ready for the ball like in full force they're in their pre-ball clothes it's not quite
0: they're in their underpinnings Ooh. they're wearing a corset and petticoats and bloomers and sort of a shawls various shawls to keep themselves from being too cold while they are not fully dressed the underclothes are as silly as the actual clothes she's wearing like <laughs> an orange corset it's 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 very gauzy
1: um everything is Minerva's wearing an orange corset and her Mm -hmm. skirt is like really really gauzy and Mm -hmm. Calliope is wearing something that makes her look taller and ganglier yes because it's pants and it's very straight lines going down with this like silk wrap wrap robe Yeah. yeah whereas Minerva's outfit is very like wide and like they
0: they really do the costuming well to emphasize how they want these two women to be portrayed it's it's really well costumed for that
1: oh yeah the silhouettes are like phenomenal
0: absolutely fabulous so um the stepmother is asking them how they're going to interact with the prince minerva announces that she's going to recite a poem okay i'm down and the stepmother says You mustn't let the prince know how smart you are. Men can't abide smart women.
1: She also says at the beginning of the scene, our family has always been known for its fascinating women. And boy,
0: is that a kind way to phrase it. Oh, we didn't talk about this earlier, but when we first meet the stepmother and stepsisters and the stepsisters are like, look at my hat, look at my hat, the stepmother says, Oh, they have such fascinating daughters. And I love that you can tell that the stepmother is like, oh, my children suck.
1: I think she loves them and she's genuinely proud of them and she thinks they have good
0: qualities, but she's also very aware of their flaws. I think we get a lot of stepmothers portrayed as very um, progeny blind of just, no, my child is a delight. Your child is a menace. I understand that you love them, but your child is an absolute monstrosity. I, I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying they're evil, but that's a tiny goblin. Could you please corral it, madam? Please. So I got that vibe from her, and I really liked it because all the other stepmothers just no, my child is delightful. No, my children suck, but I love them. So, but they anyways. are my
1: children, and they will marry the prince.
0: They will marry the prince because they, they can be excellent. I will help them to be excellent. So we get this long speech from the stepmother as she's aggressively tightening Minerva's corset. Just the the trope of I'm hanging on to the bedpost while someone tightens my corset was too tame for this movie. So in this movie, the stepmother has her giant heel in the middle of Minerva's back just hauling on strings and then links her arms links their arms together and tries to like pop her back by lifting her in the air it is an outrageous scene there were words happening but I don't know what they were because I was laughing too hard
1: um it's so what she's saying is that she could have married a prince if her circumstances had been different
0: Ah, uh, okay. If she'd had
1: the same opportunities, if she okay. had someone to push her, to sacrifice for her. <laughs> and then she yells, Beauty knows no pain, girls. Yep. She's also wearing this incredible dress. It's oh, like this it's so- long green velvet dress, kind of in a snake print with this pink frilly trim. And she has a slit that goes all the way up the back. And the it's bottom a- of the skirt is almost like coattails, like it's very evil and
0: pointed. It's a, it's a wraparound dress, which is why it has such a big slit and on all of the edging everywhere, the trim is not just frilly and pink. It's frilly pink polka dots. <laughs> yes. With frilly pink with darker pink polka dots. And it's just, she's got this big green ribbon entwined in a absolute mountain of hair and it's delightful. I would wear that. <laughs> Hands down. I don't care.
1: So Minerva is going to recite a poem, and Calliope <laughs> has been practicing her naturally infectious laughter. It's so great. Because and tonight,
0: pre- she's going to laugh infectiously. She is, and she proceeds to give us an example of this, which I am not going to attempt. But suffice to say, it starts out very high and ends in several snorts. It's a very upsetting laugh. It is. And she does it so well. She does it so well. And there's more getting ready antics and the stepmother says remember we hide our flaws and they all chime in together and say in unison until after the wedding (laughs) and cinderella
1: says but shouldn't a man love you for who you are in spite of everything
0: and they all kind of turn on her which to be fair she has entered this fray now she's she's thrown her hat in this is at this point, she's,
1: a, she's actively engaged them, yes. so
0: in a contrary way, you so see the stepmother approaches her and says, "Well, what would you say to the prince?" And Cinderella says, "Well, I don't know, but whatever it was, it would come from my heart, and we would know that we were meant for each other and something something silly
1: and he'd smile and kiss my hand. and the and the stepsister swoon, and they're like, "That's so romantic." And the stepmother yells rubbish. This isn't about love. It's about marriage. And she does her song about how falling in love is bad because she fell in love once and it was beautiful. And then it ended. Mm -hmm. And now love fell out of love with her.
0: Yeah. It's called falling in love with love and love fell out with her and trust is for children. I do want to talk for a second about the, well, what would you say to the prince? Because we got that line in The in the middle one. Oh boy, did we! (laughs) And it was out of nowhere and it was aggressive. There was no reason to include Cinderella in that conversation other than just to be extremely cruel because she's minding her own business.
1: Oh, hey Liv, would you like to remind our listeners what Cinderella's big, uh, big line to the prince would be in the middle, in the middle, Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella? You do no. it so well, Your Highness. I wish I would be your bride.
0: It's stupid.
1: It's the worst thing you it's could possibly worst. say to someone you're interested literally, in. Literally, <laughs> literally. What
0: would you say to that What would the first thing out of your mouth be?
1: I wish you would marry me.
0: So and it's
1: not just like marry
0: me. It's oh, I wish you would marry me. I wish I would. I would be your bride. It's it's. I hated it, but I hated it for a whole bunch of reasons. And one of the reasons is that out of nowhere, the stepmother turns to her and is like, well, what would you say? And it's just super mean. And in this one, Cinderella has legitimately entered into that conversation. And while what the stepmother says is certainly mean spirited and attempting to be condescending and belittling, it's not out of nowhere. And I liked that Cinderella's answer is, uh-huh. I didn't plan that far ahead, but it would be something and we'd connect and it, it felt much more natural. It felt like a reasonable answer for her to give and a reasonable thing for the stepmother to ask given their various personas. So
1: yes, I, I liked agree. it
0: much better in this one. It wasn't present at all in the Julie Andrews version, which I posit that it didn't need to be because it was. I, I don't think that added a ton to the story. But I it was definitely it. Done I like that in
1: this one. I definitely didn't like it in the previous one.
0: Oh yeah, agreed. And so we end the falling in love with love song with them now being ready for the ball. They're now in their their ball gowns, their final attire. There's lots of they peacock the imagery song, They sang the
1: song while they were getting ready. And yes. so there's all these shots of them like in their like
0: face masks singing along it's very cute and putting on perfume it's a fun it's a fun getting ready montage mm-hmm. and so we see their gowns and the stepmother is wearing a beautiful midnight blue a beautiful midnight blue gown with a tight bodice and a big skirt it's velvety It has these big gold spirals on it and lots of big gaudy gems just studding the bodice it's really pretty also the biggest metal necklace i have ever seen massive a truly massive metal necklace minerva is wearing a very sort of lighter purple which is weird because her bodice her, her underpinnings are literally orange but the dress that she's wearing is this frilly sort of purple lavender it's not a great color for her to begin with and it's just very gauzy it's got big poofy sleeves and a massive hoop frilly skirt Calliope. Wait and so it's also
1: slightly too short. Yes. Which is very like it's a very comedic look to have that giant skirt and then you see her little shoes at the bottom.
0: Yeah it's it's really great. I'm not sure how to describe what Calliope is wearing. Do you want to give it a shot? Um I would go with like tiered lampshade. Okay that's a good maybe small hula
1: hoop. So she's wearing this very kind of long vertical dress that has this two-piece skirt situation in which the top of the skirt is bigger and wider than the bottom of the skirt. And it's kind of hanging over it, much like a lampshade on the lamp, with Mm -hmm. her being the lamp.
0: It's hard to describe. There was genuinely a look in the 30s where you would have a slimmer dress and then sort of a and overdress that would go down to your knees or just below your knees sort of mid calves and sort of scoop up and so you would have sort of a wider triangle look over a narrower but it didn't have a hula hoop in it it didn't it wasn't a lampshade and there weren't two of them it what i'm saying is calliope's costume design was creative as hell and i loved it it was She's absurd. also wearing
1: this like Like green color and we'll see this later in more detail but they both managed to be half a shade off from Mm. what everybody else is wearing at the ball it's really excellent
0: it's Um, very clever so cinderella waves goodbye to them and walks back into the kitchen and she sings the in my own little corner song again and she sings about meeting the prince and her sister's faces would be green and i believe that she's selling it up to that point and then we get the saddest part because she sings, Oh, I would, you know, I would meet the prince, I'd be coy, and then she'd say, Oh, your highness. And then the rest of the line in the other films is, Oh, your highness, she didn't say such things. But she says, Oh, your highness, and then she picks up, she's been pretending that these spoons that she's picked up are a fan, and she sort of looks at them and realizes that she's not going to be able to go and that she's not a coy person and she doesn't do the like flirty games thing and she just puts it down and just starts to cry and it's so sad it is
1: heart wrenching it's she so sad when she puts them down it's like so she's sad. not only is she sad she also feels like she's being ridiculous
0: it it does it feels like she's not having faith in her dreams and her wishes, and it feels like she's, it feels like she's losing the ability to hope for something more. And it's just, it's such a sad scene. But good news, <laughs> Whitney Houston shows up in the window. Yes. Just hollering, fall dear, all, and fiddle dee Yes. Hollering.
1: Every time Cinderella says something to her, She just aggressively
0: (laughs) responds with gibberish. She is, again, because she is Whitney Houston, she is, again, just showering sparkles every time she's on the screen. And Cinderella responds very appropriately with very big eyes and goes, who are you? (laughs) And she goes, I'm your fairy godmother, honey. It's a great line. It's iconic.
1: And (laughs) Cinderella goes, you? And Whitney Houston... Which is the fairy godmother's name. Um, (laughs) uh, Goes, you got a problem with that?
0: And Cinderella's like, no, no, no. It's Whitney Houston does an amazing job as the fairy godmother. I don't really love the songs that she sings, but the energy that she brings to that role is just fabulous.
1: She does a much better job of being kind of like playfully a little bit mean. -hmm. Than the one that we saw in the first Cinderella with Julie Andrews. Yeah, she
0: she does a much better job with that. I agree
1: because Um, that one I felt like she was being passive aggressive and like weirdly mean. And then this one, she's actively teasing
0: Cinderella. She is. So Whitney Houston says, finishes off one of the lines of the songs with everybody who dreams is dizzy in the noodle, and she sort of pauses and tries to come up with a rhyme because it's it's a weird rhyme. And Cinderella goes, that's terrible. <laughs> and when Houston goes, "Well, you try coming up with a rhyme on the spot. and it's just it's very meta. I loved it. And Cinderella goes, "No, I mean, why would you say something like that about dreamers? why Why shouldn't I dream? And again, we get this scene where the fairy godmother asks to be invited in, implying that she is some sort of fey creature that cannot enter without an express invitation. Cinderella agrees has. to let her in, and then she magics herself inside a, a scene which still does not make any sense.
1: Well, it makes more sense than this one because she didn't like forget that she wasn't supposed to do magic. She's actively messing with Cinderella because as Cinderella is looking for her, she's like over here. And Cinderella comes in and she, you know, points with her finger, the door sparkles happen, the door closes. She points with her finger again, sparkles, a fire turns on, and she's just kind of looking very proud of herself
0: so she's showing off. She's definitely showing off. I will say that this is the version in which that makes the most sense. I still posit that that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it it makes the most sense here.
1: Yes. Cinderella asks, how'd you do that? And the fairy godmother says, practice.
0: (laughs) So Cinderella says, that she had always hoped that somebody would come and take her away and the fairy godmother responds with you need to do stuff for yourself find the song in your own soul or something it the, the words are dumb but the message is hey you got to do stuff for yourself which i liked and then okay
1: you know what i didn't like though know <laughs> what the part where she the part where she tells cinderella that the reason her stepmother is so mean to her is it because she, quote, can't handle how fabulous you are? Yeah, that's a weird line. That's just... It's and Cinderella's, so... like,
0: fabulous. and wearing rags, madam.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I just, I don't know about the use of the word fabulous there. Mm.
0: I don't know. I agree, it was a weird line.
1: So this is where we find out a little bit about Cinderella's motivation. Because she's saying, you know, I wish I could leave. And the fairy godmother is like, well, why don't you? And Cinderella says, those three are all I've got. I promised my father before he died that we'd stay together as a family. And the fairy godmother looks at her so sadly and says, this can't be what your daddy had in mind for you.
0: Oh, it's such a sad line. And then Cinderella says something like, uh, I, I dream about something. And the fairy godmother cuts her off and says, well, that's the problem. Most people dream about things without doing anything about it.
1: And then Cinderella says, "Well, then I wish." Oh, but you know, it's wishing must be the same too, right? Yeah. And she's so dejected at this it point is. that it's she very... can't even muster up like a wish.
0: Yeah, it's it's very so it's very sad. So at this point we get the impossible song and which I still don't really understand. I still I I maintain that it makes the most sense in the first one. That's so the in the impossible song.
1: <laughs> so, in the impossible song, if you haven't listened to our two previous episodes on this, I uh, you first of all. Exact same script. Yep. Uh, in the impossible songs, they're basically singing how, you know, all of the things that you dream for are possible, and people who believe in that are just silly and dizzy and the noodle and all of that stuff. And so they're like, oh, going to the ball, that's impossible. Uh, pumpkin turning into a carriage, that's impossible. A country bumpkin falling in love, or marrying, marrying a, a prince, prince, impossible. impossible.
0: But and impossible then, things are happening every day.
1: Yes. Yeah, so and then it kind of turns the corner and they're sort of like, ah,
0: but I can do impossible things. So Cinderella then says, wait, if impossible things are happening every day, then why can't I go to the ball? And Why
1: shouldn't I have impossible hopes and dreams?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, which is a good line. I liked that corner turn. And then the fairy godmother does something weird. And she goes, well, go to the ball then. Nothing's stopping you. And it just felt weirdly challenging. Like that felt like a weird dare almost. Yeah, I,
1: it would have worked if it was one of those Cinderella's where there's three days at the ball. And for yes. the first one, all she wants is to look
0: yes it would have worked really well there doesn't really work here because cinderella responds with well i don't have any way to get there and the fairy godmother goes that's true and then proceeds to magic the pumpkin which I <laughs> she wonder, doesn't get her wonder, first take
1: <laughs> i wonder if she's trying to get cinderella in like a problem solving state of mind where she's trying to get her to like come up with solutions instead of focusing on what she can't do and just be like. This is what I need. This is what I'm gonna do. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here.
0: Yeah, you you can see it through that lens, I suppose. I definitely didn't get that. So Whitney Houston points at the pumpkin, and it sort of glows and moves a little bit, and then it sort of settles back down. And she looks a little embarrassed and cracks her neck and says, "What's the matter with me? You'd think after 600 years, which she does a little shimmy. Vlad the Impaler. Timeline. Okay. So the pumpkin rolls around uh, and gets bigger and the uh, vines become wheels and it becomes a carriage and it looks very plasticky, but it's a very nice carriage. It's a very nice, it's the fanciest, most realistic pumpkin to coach transformation that we have seen so far.
1: Uh, It did start out with truly terrible CGI when they were first showing the pumpkin moving. It was, they were trying real hard,
0: but it was still the 90s Mm -hmm. However, it is still the most fancy and realistic and I will say still the best pumpkin to coach transformation that we have, because everything okay. else is just either a flash cut or a sparkle overlay or a fade transition and this actually has a special effect and really just does change on screen in front of our eyes and grow from a pumpkin to a carriage.
1: I liked- The transformation of the mice to the horses. They'd actually shown us the mice a couple of times. They were in a cage in the kitchen. So, like, we saw where that was coming from. Mm -hmm. I I just always think it's weird that the fairy godmother asks for mice and Cinderella's like, oh, yes, I have a cage of mice right here. So, it's nice that they put it in the scene for us earlier so we could notice it. But they come out of the cage and they turn into horses first and then they get bigger, which is much better than the opposite. Yeah. Which would have given us, you know, horse-sized mice for a second.
0: Again, which we've agreed we don't want. We don't like that. We don't like that. We then get rats turned into coachmen and they do the crouchy thing where they are humans in crouch form and then stand up into mice, which we've established Talon does not like.
1: Well, I don't like because they're kind of like doing rat things still. They're kind of like digging in the grass. And then the fairy godmother goes, ahem, And then they kind of look up and they brush themselves off and they go and be coachman. But those, they're like, still like thinking mouse thoughts. Like this is not right.
0: Mm -hmm. So Whitney Houston asks if there's anything she's forgotten and Cinderella sort of looks at her like, well, I don't have anything to wear. And the fairy
1: godmother makes her spin around. She says, spin around, don't make me do all the work. And I love when they spin in a transformation sequence.
0: And it's really nice. It's a really nice transformation sequence. Her um, gloves
1: appear and then like her sleeves and like the bodice and then the skirt, like the little floofy bit at the bottom, the bustle.
0: Yeah. It's not really a bustle, but it's, it's, it's a mini train, I guess. It's, yeah.
1: And then the full skirt appears. It's very like magical girl transformation cause she's spinning mm-hmm. and things are appearing in pieces. And I loved it.
0: Yes, it's it's beautiful. Her dress is a very pale blue. It has a tight bodice and a very full skirt that's mostly made of sparkly tulle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's very floaty. Her bodice has a little flowy tail bustle bit off the end which is what Talon was talking about. And it has these really lovely drapey off the sleeve shoulders and her hair is up. Off the sleeve shoulders. Sorry. Has these really beautiful off-the-shoulder sleeves that are drapey and just very pretty. She has her hair up now in this beautiful updo with a little tiara. It's just, it's genuinely beautiful. I loved it. She,
1: she also has very 90s blue eyeshadow to go with it, but oh, it all does. works.
0: But it works because her dress is blue, and the blue eyeshadow does not look terrible on her. It looks okay. Obviously not ideal, but we didn't know about the blue eyeshadow yet, so it's okay. We got I, better.
1: I will say that this is a beautiful, beautiful dress. It is very much what a young girl would want as a princess dress, rather mm. than like what an adult woman would want as a princess
0: dress. I think I think they definitely knew their audience. Mm-hmm. So the fairy godmother tells her that it ends at midnight. Cinderella says sort of box and says, Well that that's why midnight and Ferry Gopin says, Look out, I'll make the rules, which is a great line. <laughs> um and then we get the reprise of the impossible song. But this time they change it to It's Possible and it made me happy.
1: That makes so much more sense. It works so
0: well and they're just both singing and it's so triumphant. It is and uh, Whitney Houston is floating around the carriage just trailing glitter and spirals. Like a and-
1: beautiful comet made of magic Mm
0: -hmm. with the torso of a woman (laughs) yep uh the carriage itself is also glowing and just trailing sparkles like exhaust um (laughs) and then it explodes into fireworks and not not it itself but it just i'm not sure it combusts there's fireworks and then we're at the ball oh talon can you describe the ball
1: the ball is so beautiful. They did such an incredible job with the costuming because everybody is wearing something shifting on a shifting scale of like a blue teal color to this purple color. So everything looks iridescent. Mm-hmm. And all of the gentlemen dancing at the ball are wearing these dark blue purple suits. And all of the women are wearing these beautiful dresses that are all like tealy, bluey, purpley. And the And the prince is wearing this solid white outfit, and now his hair is pushed back, and he's very regal, and he stands out so much. And like I said before, the stepsisters are wearing half a shade off from everybody else, so Minerva's dress is a little bit too pink of a purple, Mm -hmm. and Calliope's dress is a little bit too green of a teal. Yeah. So they still pop out without disrupting the color scheme completely. Yes such a good job
0: they they really did an excellent job the dresses are all sort of a similar style with tight bodices and full flowy skirts they're basically just a traditional prom dress so there's
1: a long line of girls waiting on this big staircase yes and lionel is bringing them one by one to the prince to sort of switch them out as they dance with
0: him and what they're doing is a very staged um almost medieval dance um of just we approach and we spin and we walk forwards and bow and we walk backwards. It's it's very stylized and it's very slow and stately. The prince is very much not having a good time.
1: He is actively we, yawning. He's
0: actively yawning. We get an amazing scene with the king and queen where the queen says look there's so many lovely women. I'm sure he'll find the girl he's looking for and the king says well what happens if he if he doesn't. And Whoopi Goldberg just goes, then the ball will never end.
1: (laughs) And we get my favorite line because we see all of the young women standing on the staircase and we see the two stepsisters in the middle and Minerva's kind of clutching the railing and she's pretty close to the front of the line, but she's not there yet. And she just bellows, I want a chance at him. And it's, amazing and the
0: prince hears her and is definitely alarmed <laughs> visibly concerned and he then does even, describe
1: being a piece of meat later on which, uh, and i think this is the moment
0: the other princes who describe themselves as feeling like pieces of meat mm, i think that this guy wins
1: i think he <laughs> wins
0: the piece of meat challenge we then get another great scene of the king and queen where the queen goes was that a smile and the king says it was a wince and the queen goes tiny smile and the king goes, wishful thinking. And she sort of <laughs> slaps his hand. It's it, They have a really great little relationship. And I really enjoyed seeing it.
1: It was very cute. The stepmother accosts Lionel to get <laughs> the girls moved up in the queue. And she's trying to seduce him. She's sort of like, well, I know everyone's here for the prince, but I want to know about you. And she's, not selling it very well. She History. forgets that he's balding, so she's like, Your full head of skin. Skin. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh Lionel is like not buying what she's selling, but he says, I honestly do wish there was something between us. And she goes, You do? And he goes, Yes, a continent.
0: And walks away. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So it's finally the stepsisters turn to dance with the prince minerva scratches herself we we established earlier but failed to mention to you lovely listeners that's her
1: flaw that's her flaw is that she just when she's nervous she's itchy
0: yeah so she she scratches herself and the prince instantly asks her about it which seems weird i don't yeah that was so rude yeah because she doesn't like scratch her butt or her boobs or her nose she just sort of scratches like behind her ear where you would very reasonably just be like, real quick, ear scratch, there's nothing to comment. I'm
1: getting so itchy talking about
0: this. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry.
1: psychosomatic. Like I'm like,
0: oh. Oh, so itchy, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, why would you ask somebody, do you have an itch? Yeah, there's no reason unless, for him to
0: comment on that. Unless you're like an adult speaking to a child. Yeah, so of course <laughs> he asks her and she continues to be itchier and then tries to distract him by reciting weird poetry
1: she just kind of like says the lines at him it's about ships passing in the night on the ocean of love and he's like what is that and she goes it's poetry
0: aggressively I really enjoyed that I thought it was fun
1: I love Minerva
0: yeah Minerva's I I want want a Minerva sequel oh god I want I just want a them sequel I want to know what happens to them
1: Well, you know how there's like the stepsister sequels in the Disney animated Cinderella? Like Mm -hmm. I want that style of sequel for Minerva.
0: I, I do as well, yeah. So the prince tells Lionel to make the music go faster. It's now Calliope's turn. She just rolls up to the prince and starts cackling. Yeah. And he goes, your laughter is incessant. Rude, also rude. Okay, but she literally just walks up to him and starts cackling into his face and does yeah, not stop. That's, but incessant. That's weird. And yes, correct. But you're, the, you're always talking about the prince being a good host. Well, he clearly stops before choosing a meaner word. Mm. And then she I, goes, I, think- I just find you hilarious. And he goes, I don't think anyone has ever found me this funny. And she continues to cackle. And it's, she really sells it as incredibly obnoxious, awkward laughing.
1: You know what it is? It's a callback to the, I'm practicing my infectious laughter.
0: It is. And it's really great. It's a great callback. Okay. So I I I like. thought it landed as a joke. As a host, okay, yes, it was a rude thing for him to say. I don't think it was nearly as rude as the scratching thing, but whatever. Uh, the prince tells the band to speed up again. We now get a funny scene where the band is just playing faster and faster, and this once stately dance has now become a farce, and Lionel's just sprinting back and forth across the floor, hauling women to the prince.
1: Meanwhile, the king goes completely deadpan. (laughs) I think it's going awfully well, don't you? And the queen just punches him in the arm.
0: It's so great. It's such a we've been married for 30 years moment, and it made me so happy. It's pretty great. But now we get Cinderella's entrance not no sorry no yeah but so arrival she, but now we get cinderella's arrival to the ball and she asks whitney houston to accompany her and uh whitney houston says no i can't this is your time you can do this and again repeats that she has to leave by midnight we get a scene from the clock showing us that it's 11 15
1: that's so unfair it is unfair i've always
0: I always assume
1: that Cinderella got to the ball at like seven or eight, or and maybe had like nine, hours.
0: maybe nine, but not eleven fifteen. That's so that's so mean. So moving on. So along. she so she
1: enters and she's standing at the top. She's standing at the top of the stairs, and the light hits her with this like subtle lavender color and. She's standing there in her pale blue dress that is just paler than everybody else's dresses so she really stands out and her eyes and the Prince's eyes meet and they smile at each other and it's just this complete silence as she walks down the stairs and you only hear her footprints her footsteps. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Prince meets her and he says hello. And this is where we finally get to find out what she would say to him given the chance, which is just how do you do your
0: highness as she curtsies. Which curses. is a perfectly acceptable greeting when meeting a prince. And she curtsies down. And then we get our first very romantic scene. He puts his hand under her chin and sort of tilts her face up and then uses that to draw her up and she has, I have in my eyes, capital Big Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, just trademark, Big Eyes. And He's just smiling at her and then they begin waltzing. and they're clearly having a lovely time.
1: They're they're the only ones dancing. Everyone's kind of cleared the dance floor and it's so beautiful. It's so sweeping. Mm-hmm. They're doing like amazing eye contact eye contact with each other. and her dress is like so swishy. and the king goes, "Why, if I were a young man, and the <laughs> queen goes, yes, dear." he goes well i'd be younger wouldn't i and she goes yes dear
0: it's such a great moment i laughed i laughed a lot (laughs) (laughs) so the they actually talk while they're waltzing which i appreciated and the prince tries to figure out where they've met before um and he suggests the sea and the mountains Like a different prince resorts that he's been to. Different various places that rich people would go. And she goes, no, I've never been there. She's just very, not lying, but not offering any information. It's just very sweet and without artifice. So I
1: think there is a little bit of artifice there because she already knows where she knows him from. And that's why she's not surprised. She saw him get into that blue carriage. So she knows why she looks familiar. And when he asks... You know, do I know you from the mountains? And she's like, "Oh, the mountains are very beautiful." And he's like, "You're very beautiful."
0: It's just—it's sweet. It's very
1: cute. He's a little dumb.
0: He's a little bit of a dum (laughs) dum. He then says that he completely forgot that there were any other people in the room, which I believe the way that we get the ten minutes ago song, and this is so well done. He sings it while dancing with her. We don't sit on her shoulder and watch him sing into our face, which is unpleasant. We just get to watch him sing to her as they both dance, which is a song about dancing. So it makes sense that they would do it while dancing. I'm not these over. Are the things,
1: these are things that happened in the previous Rogers
0: and Hammerstein that I'm still mad about. So, yeah, so he sings with her. It's romantic. He's singing with his huge smile on his face, which is hard to do. She's just. Starstruck. She also has a big smile. And the way that it's filmed, they're still in a room full of people, and there are now other people on the dance floor. So they are dancing together with a bunch of other people dancing together. But we only hear them, and we hear him singing about, I found you, you're wonderful, I just want to fly off, I never want to come back down. And it really sells the feeling of just connection it really sells the we're alone in the room there's no one but you this is romance it really 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 sells that so much better than them being just alone because it there are other people around and we see them but we don't hear them because they're not important because nobody matters but the person we're singing to it was so well done and then we cut to them still dancing but now Cinderella's singing the song. And I liked it. I felt like it emphasized that they were just always dancing with each other, like screw everybody else. We're just dancing with one another. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked, I thought that was a really, normally I really don't like it when a scene cuts to itself, but this seemed like it gave us some passage of time and I really enjoyed it.
1: I really liked that. It felt like a conversation between them. So first the prince sings, Then Cinderella sings, and then they sing it together, and they're Mm -hmm. just so smitten with each other. Yes. It's very
0: cute. So then we get just the musical part of that, and we get a big lovely dance scene, which the Prince and Cinderella are not in. It's just the rest of the ensemble. And there's lots of kicks, and there's lots of lifts where the, the men lift the women up, and they go into sort of splits and get swung around. And they're all wearing these big, beautiful tulle skirts, and it's just so pretty. And the way the colors shift from blue to purple, it's, it's just so nice. Yeah, the color scheme is just top notch. It feels very dreamlike because it's all these dark blue purples and teal blues and midnight colors. It feels very middle of the night dream sequence. And it's, it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. And so we see that the Prince and Cinderella have moved out and they're dancing in the garden. There's a beautiful fountain with swans with water coming out of their beaks. And then we see the stepsisters
1: they are so salty they're wedged into a hedge and they're kind of peering at cinderella and the prince in the distance and they do their stepsister song
0: it's so good so
1: it is is such a fun song and they just imbue it with so much energy it's phenomenal
0: they emphasize so many words that are perfect. So Minerva who we've established is short and voluptuous sings the line, um, she's so frail and she puts so much disdain into the word frail. And then the tall one uh, Calliope sings the line about, oh, she's just a bubble. And they just, they put so much humor and bizarre emphasis into various words. It's hilarious. Um, And they do so
1: this is the song in which they're like, you know, why would you want a beautiful girl like her? You know, she's only as beautiful as
0: a rose, she's only as delicate as a swan. She's obviously unusual. Why would someone want an obviously unusual girl? Why doesn't anybody want a sturdy girl like me? says Minerva, which I thought was so (laughs) really she plays it so well. And it's full of physical comedy because they're singing, but they're also aggressively trying to sneak through hedges and narrow breaks in shrubbery wearing massive skirts that do not lend themselves to sneaking through shrubbery
1: and they're and like so helping just, each other through and badly their skirts are tilting and it's so funny and they don't miss a beat and the whole time they're like singing there's this moment where they get too worked up and they're singing too loudly
0: and they, and they sort then of they themselves. Kind of shush- and then they're whispering because they're being spies. <laughs> they're trying it's, to be sneaky. It's, it's so great. It's so great, and it ends with them being overbalanced and falling into the fountain, which is if
1: you see a fountain at the beginning of a song,
0: someone's you know gonna it's going to it. happen. Yeah. So it, it's not the funniest comedy beat, but it is a solid comedy beat to end on.
1: So Cinderella and the prince go back onto the ballroom floor, and they're dancing. And Lionel, who is a true bro, jumps. On the stepmother grenade to run interference because she keeps trying to go talk to the prince and see who the princess is
0: because she looks a little familiar to her. The king and the queen have also joined the dance floor and are also trying to meet the princess um, with limited success because the prince is just dancing with her and not really willing to stop doing that. And so the king and queen do that great move where they just swap partners and just all of a sudden you're dancing with someone else now congratulations. So and the king
1: is dancing with Cinderella and just kind of having like a nice chat with her. He's like, oh, my son seems very smitten with you. You know, you you seem very lovely. Uh, do I know your parents? And she gets a little flustered when he brings up the parents and she's like, oh, well, my mother, oh,
0: my father. And she kind of panics and runs away. Well, so it's it's the queen who asks her about her parents. And says like, oh, I'd love to meet them. Are they here? And it's clear that she doesn't want to lie to the queen. And so she starts to say my father, but that line ends with my father's dead. And she clearly doesn't want to say that. And she then says, well, my mother. And then she sort of turns and I thought that she saw the stepmother because the stepmother I is so too. Yeah. right next to her climbing over Lionel trying to get to the two of them. And so she says, well, my mother sees the stepmother climbing over a manservant and kind of panics and flees.
1: At which point the queen squeaks. Yep. And she and the king have a conversation. They're like, she seems nice.
0: The a, queen little goes, a little high strung. A little high <laughs> strung.
1: <laughs> a little. A little. But not, not an issue for princess. Cinderella is then talking to her fairy godmother and she's just saying, I want to go now. And yeah. the fairy godmother is like, oh, so you're just giving up.
0: You're just running away. And
1: Cinderella says, I'm not what they think I am. And, you know, she tries to reassure her like, they see a beautiful girl at the ball. That's what you are. But then, before that has time to go anywhere, the prince kind of comes back into the courtyard and he's like, You're still here. Please, I don't
0: know what my parents said to you. But I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I'm so sorry. Please don't leave. Which is great for someone who knows that they have overbearing parents, and it's like, "I'm um, mother was speaking with you, and then you fled. I don't know what happened, but I'm deeply sorry about it." It was a it was a good move for him.
1: I love that he doesn't even for a second blame her for any of it.
0: Oh no, he's very aware of what his family is like. He I, has I no that...
1: questions about what just transpired.
0: But but she reassures him and says, "No, it was, it was. She was lovely. I just." had she makes some sort of feeble excuse
1: and then he tells her what I think is the most devoted loving thing one person can say to another you would only say this if you were deeply in love which is I want to meet your family and she says no you don't and he's like no I do (laughs)
0: and she I think she says no you don't again and he goes as bad as that and she sort of yes it's it's a cute moment and so he's he's now talking about how he sort of feels like he's a piece of meat and that everyone's trying to catch him and that he needs to find a wife and she starts uh Cinderella starts describing his future wife and she says well he must she must be exciting and he sort of laughs and she says and sweet in a very saccharine voice and he goes i don't know about that sweet and she then does a deep curtsy and goes and your devoted servant forever and at that point i got that she was definitely teasing him and he kneels down and he goes well or he sits down next to her and says servants i have plenty i want someone i can talk to i wish and cinderella interrupts him and goes that's the problem with wishing people people wish for stuff but they don't actually do it
1: and then he kneels in front of her and i'm like Oh my God! Is he going to propose? Right? He doesn't. He doesn't. I wish he had. That would have been. That would have been funny. (laughs) Because he goes, "You're right," and then he he's like, "Can I ask you a question?" And I'm like, "Oh my God! He's doing it! He's doing it!" He's going to propose.
0: He's going to propose. No.
1: And he says, "Do you think it's possible to meet someone and to know in an instant she's the one?" And they kind of have this thing. They kind of have this conversation where he's like, "You know, I." I feel like I'm myself when I'm with you, but not the myself that I'm around other people, but like, but like the real, needs, like the real myself, but and not the like real.
0: This... Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's that awkward conversation you have when you're with somebody and you're trying to explain that you really like them and it's weird.
1: And, and, and she's you know. like, am I making any sense? And she's like, you are, I know exactly what you mean. And this like really resonates with her because she's acting very different from how she usually
0: acts. Yeah. She is also having a night of freedom. And he is, she's having a night of freedom because she's at the ball. He's having a night of freedom because he's with her Mm -hmm. and she's not hunting him.
1: (laughs) And they both agree that it's scary and confusing and wonderful all at the same time. mm -hmm. And then the, do I love you because you're beautiful song starts.
0: And it makes a lot of sense with that lead-in. That's a really excellent lead-in to that song, which we both agree, bit of a downer.
1: Yeah, so the whole point of the song is like, hey, do I like are you beautiful to me because I love you? Or do I love you because you're beautiful? I think I messed that up. No, you didn't. It's
0: yeah, are you beautiful (laughs) because I love you or do you love or I know I'm messing it up. Oh no. And then
1: like it's very are you wonderful because you know, are you really as wonderful as you seem?
0: It's a very existential angst when you fall in love with somebody really fast, and your sensible brain is like, hang on, you've known this person for 10 minutes, and maybe maybe, maybe 10 you're minutes projecting. Is not, maybe you had a whole lot of hopes for finding somebody, and this person seems to match them, but again, 10 minutes is a short amount of time, maybe, hmm? So I think that the song makes sense contextually, I don't think it works with the mood. I, I think, don't think it's it w- like
1: a bummer of a song.
0: So we get a reprise of this song, and it's perfect as a reprise. It does not work super well as the main love ballad. This is also the song that I like Brandy singing the least. Because she decides to stay in chest voice the entire time, even though the range goes well into what would be a head voice. And so her voice just sounds very strained, the way it is when you're trying to sing a high note. But for some reason, you are really reluctant to move out of chest voice.
1: I don't know what any of that means. I just read that as like kind of raspy and yes. emotionally overcome.
0: Yes. So I, I'm not going to say, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what he does do is he puts his hand to her cheek oh, and she so closes her eyes and leans into it. And then there's another moment where he puts his hands on her shoulders and she just kind of, like, closes her eyes and just, like, really, like...
0: Leans back into the into the embrace. It's so, so sweet. So every
1: time he touches her, she, like, leans into him. And it's very sweet. It's and very sweet. She just wishes she could let herself go and, like, relax into him.
0: It's, it's very sweet. We then get the end of the song where he uh, kisses both of her hands individually, making hard eye contact, like, maintaining eye contact. And then he kisses her forehead... It is so romantic. It's so romantic. And then he says he never wants this night to end. And then he kisses her right on the cheekbone. Like not a cheek kiss, but like a high cheek kiss. And hugs her and they sing the last line of the wonderful song together again.
1: With their cheeks pressed to each other.
0: Which, again, is the only way to romantically sing with somebody. Otherwise, you're just singing into their face and it's unpleasant. But if you are if you have your head on someone's chest and you're singing, you can hear their like voice resonating in their chest. And it's genuinely romantic. And then they get like an actual kiss. We get a full on smoochy smooch.
1: It's It's so sweet. They like have all of this eye contact before they kiss. They both move in for the kiss at the same time. And it's just like. It's a very gentle kiss. It's It's a very soft
0: kiss. It's very gentle. It lasts for a while, but it's not too long. And then the chimes ring for midnight and she has to leave. So she she goes,
1: I can't stay. I have to go. And she runs away. And he's like, wait, come back. I don't even know your name. So he yeah. hasn't put it together.
0: No. So she's fleeing through the ballroom. He's chasing her. He passes the king and queen on the stairs. And the king says, Chris, don't let her get away. And the queen squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> and the stepmother throws herself at his feet again.
1: He's got a lot of barriers. But he does. he's also he's also not running very hard after her
0: he's not because we see her descend the front stairs her dress turns into rags right as she hits the bottom of them and the carriage again is a pumpkin and she runs off he immediately is there the prince descends a couple of steps down the staircase and then just sort of stops and starts to sing like man she's She can't go that far. I mean, he can't see her. She's turned a corner or something. But if you went down the stairs, you would probably have, you know, visual sight of a girl fleeing. Admittedly, she would not be in a blue gown. But how many fleeing women are there outside of a palace at midnight? Hopefully, just the one. Hopefully, just the one. So and so he stops chasing her to sing, which I is a choice. It's a choice. He lost some points for me. Um, they both wind up singing the duet with one There's another. There's like
1: this visual overlay where you see them both on screen at the same time and the prince is kind of looking into the distance as he sings and Cinderella's like walking down the street with like tear tracks on her face. But also and, singing. But also singing and, and they sing together one last time. It is
0: 100% what we wanted to have happen. In the previous version <laughs> to establish connection between the two of them. Yes. It's that's like what we wanted to it. have. It's not super hard to do. It's just a split screen. They could have done it. They chose not to. I'm I'm still mad about it.
1: We're reviewing the brandy Cinderella. We're reviewing the Brandy Cinderella. Breathe in. <laughs> yeah. So the step family arrives home and they're having that, like, oh, what a night, what a magnificent affair um and Cinderella asks, did any of you get to dance with the prince and they kind of go oh yes of course yes I danced with him for an hour and that's Minerva and then Calliope goes an hour and Minerva goes yes didn't you and she's kind of like hinting to her and Calliope goes well if if you danced with him for if you danced with him for an
0: hour then yes I did too it's really funny and so Cinderella asks oh did you know everyone there and the stepmother says, Oh, we knew everybody who was worth knowing, except for a princess, and if trash her name. And didn't she danced with the prince? The stepmother he goes, you liked her? And the stepmother goes, I didn't notice. <laughs> it's so good. So this launches into the lovely night song where Cinderella describes exactly what happened to them at the ball and how lovely the prince is and what it feels like to dance in his arms
1: we only got one beat of the it was exactly like you're describing it how would you know if you weren't there and she's like oh well i'm only yeah oh, well i'm only guessing we, we only got only... one beat of that uh, in the julie andrews i think we had like three versions of that yeah
0: we had several different beats um And But we get a fun song. She's singing with the stepsisters. They're singing and dancing with one another. Oh, the
1: stepsisters get really swept up in it, and they're kind of singing along, and they're dancing along, because she's describing, like, what a wonderful time they had, Mm -hmm. basically. And the the
0: stepmother joins in as well, actually. Yes. Near the end. Um, And then as it ends, the stepmother recognizes her, Mm -hmm. and realizes that she was there, and yells for everyone to stop, and that this is preposterous, and to go upstairs. And the, the, then we
1: get another like heartbreak oh. of a line.
0: Oh, yeah, we sure do. Do you want to do you wanna do this one?
1: So Cinderella goes, Why? Why is it so hard for you to imagine that the prince might dance with me? And it's it's so cutting. The stepmother goes, You're common, Cinderella. Your mother was common, and you're common. And Cinderella starts to say, my father, and the stepmother goes your father was weak and spoiled you rotten
0: and filled your head with dreams that will never come true
1: yeah
0: and then says now clean up this place it's a sty," and storms off and you can tell the stepmother is trying to be especially hurtful because she has just realized something that is very devastating to her sense of reality Mm -hmm. and oh boy did she succeed yeah yeah it's it's very upsetting scene it really lands
1: and then Cinderella kind of goes outside and looks out into the night and goes, Father, I know I promised I'd never leave, but I deserve better. I deserve to be loved. That's what I found out today. It's just heartbreaking.
0: And she she says the line at this point, you know, if you could see how much she's changed, mm-hmm. I I know you wouldn't want me to stay. Uh, something to that if I didn't write down the exact line. Mm-hmm. But it I, I really enjoy it when Cinderella stories Lend an insight to why the stepmother is evil. (laughs) Yes. Because it's so much more compelling to have a villain with some humanity or with a backstory or some trauma, other than why are you being evil? Well, it says evil on my script.
1: I... I don't mind that. I think sometimes a villain is just like a fun villain and they're doing it just like to be evil. And that's fine. I really, I thought this was a really good level of explanation. Mm -hmm. where it really did a good job of balancing like not giving you so much that we're like well are you trying to make us feel bad for her because they don't feel bad for her
0: no no it's it provided just enough backstory for you to sort of put whatever you wanted on there Mm -hmm. and you can kind of
1: like put together like what might have happened and it it all made sense
0: it leaves a lot of room for viewer interpretation which i really appreciate Mm -hmm. so the fairy godmother then appears to her again No.
1: No, there's a really sad bit. So there's, she kind of half sings the little bit of the song that she was singing with the stepsister. She goes, my dream came true with like tears in her eyes. And then sings the line on my lips. He left a kiss all my life. I'll dream of this lovely, lovely night. Oh yeah. And she's so sad about it. And you know that she's just resigned to never seeing him again. That is sad,
0: yeah. So then the fairy godmother appears and says, well, if you love him, let him know. And Cinderella goes, look at me, how can I? And the fairy godmother points out, she, the fairy godmother says, do you really think he fell in love with you for your pretty dress? Mm-hmm. And Cinderella says, well, I couldn't have done it without your help. And fairy godmother says, I didn't help you, you did it yourself. Which, I mean, she
1: did walk into the ball by herself, which I think is the hardest part. Yeah, but-, but the dress sure helped. That's the car- helps. Okay. So the fairy godmother says, you know, you have to trust him to love you as you
0: are. Which I do love. I love that message. I love the concept. It's just that that's not really what happened. But it, I love the message which is what yes. really matters. Yes. So, so we cut to the palace and we see the prince it's morning now and the king and queen are worried about him because he's been up all night and hasn't eaten and at this point this is the first time that we see the queen really seem to see him as, mm-hmm. as his own individual person and they do seem genuinely concerned not only because he's been up all night and hasn't eaten but because he's behaving very much not like himself and they're they're concerned the way that parents are when they love you. And so then we get the reprise of the okay is she beautiful because you love her or do you love her because she's beautiful song sung by Whoopi Goldberg, sung by the queen and that song makes so much sense as a concerned parent who wants you to get married and wants you to be with someone you love but is concerned from an adulty point of view that hey you met this person last night and there were so many beautiful women there last night and I mean she didn't fall in love with Cinderella she doesn't feel that special connection she doesn't feel seen the way that the prince felt seen and heard and acknowledged So she's just saying hey this is you know are you sure and it works so well as a concerned mother song
1: mm-hmm yes. And it ends with the prince saying, you know, all my life, I've been searching for something and I finally found it in her. And he's going to keep looking as long as it takes. He's going to marry her. Mm -hmm. And we hear from Lionel that they've already looked for her. They've searched the kingdom. They've asked everyone. No one knows who she is. And that's when they decide to try the slipper, which I really appreciated because that was always a weird first choice it's It's nice that that's
0: not their first choice.
1: So the prince hugs his parents and there's a reprise of the dearest Love is waiting somewhere for me mm-hmm. where which is the song that they like sang at the very beginning when they first met in the in the market, which I and, thought
0: was cute. Oh it's really great because it's now sung with a goal. It was previously sung with sort of a wish and a hope of like I mean I hope and now it's like no, no she's she's somewhere she exists. I just gotta go find her. I I have at this moment that the prince is wearing a really beautiful full-length silk robe that's dark blue with purple lining and gold stars all over it and I was a little bit distracted by just what an attractive robe it was
1: this is a very nice robe on a very nice man yes um I thought that this was the moment where he realized he wanted to marry her because I don't think he knew that before that I would okay I would believe that 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 would make sense and that's why he's like now really directed and really focused about what he wants
0: so now we get the trying on the shoe scene do you want to talk about the shoe montage uh so we get all of these different ladies
1: in all of these very different pattern types and they're just like floral striped checkered just any pattern you can think of like a tie-dye swirl they're all trying them on some are barefoot but most are in crazy tights and there's this overlay where you see the sad princess the princess like sad face and then like overlaid on top of that is just like
0: foot after foot after foot trying on the shoe in just the most insane socks and they're trying on the shoe by putting their foot in sideways yes Um, we we do see that the shoe fit We do see that one woman's foot is too small, and I really liked that because Mm -hmm. it's always bothered me that she has the tiniest feet. Why, why does she have the tiniest feet? Just, it doesn't fit anybody but her. It also doesn't make sense based on the way that, you know, feet and statistics work, but it made me happy that somebody's foot was too small.
1: I mean, if you assume that the only way a glass shoe would be comfortable is if it was magically perfectly molded to your foot, I would buy that.
0: Okay. But other people would still be able to put it on. It would just be uncomfortable, as we see in a coming-up scene. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Perfect transition. So we look up from one of the shoes, from from one of the crazy socks, finally, and we see that it is uh, Minerva. It is the stepsister. It's Calliope. It's, no, it's Minerva. Calliope oh, no, it President is Calliope. I'm, I'm so sorry. So, yes. So we, we cut up from one of the crazy socks to calliope she's trying it on saying of course it's my slipper obviously it doesn't fit minerva tries it on uh complains that lionel must have shrunk the shoe yes and aggressively um wrestles with him to get her foot into it
1: and while this is happening the stepmother kind of backs away and be and puts her back flat to the kitchen and closes the door where we see Cinderella. And it looks like she's packing actually, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So she closes the door and locks it kind of behind her back so that no one will ask Cinderella about the shoe, Mm -hmm. proving that she really did know that it was her.
0: Yes. So that's when we get confirmation that she knew it was Cinderella. Because it was just kind of, it's still just implied, but it's Mm -hmm. more implied. So Lionel asks if there are any other ladies in the house and the stepmother sort of looks sideways and goes, yes, and then sits down. (laughs) And Lionel goes, any younger women in the house? And she, I I don't have the exact line written down, but she She insists on- how
1: young? And he goes, younger than you.
0: Right, thank you. So she does attempt to to try the shoe on and she does manage to squish her foot into it it was and I was
1: just like, so surprised. I was, I've seen this multiple <laughs> times. I saw this like two months ago. Yep. <laughs>
0: and I was shocked. I was like, whoa, 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 what? What? And the prince has the same reaction. He goes, impossible. And she starts to laugh in triumph. And then rapidly, her laugh turns into yells that it's cutting off her circulation. And it hurts so bad. Please get it off.
1: She's not saying, please get it off. She's yelling, you imbecile, get
0: it off get it off now Uh, yes i you're better at writing down the lines than i am so the prince asks if they're certain that no one else is in the house and then we get this beautiful moment where they (laughs) all make eye contact and limp prance their way over to the kitchen doors drape themselves in front of the doors and then say no not even a servant girl (laughs) and the prince says what's behind those doors and they all say in unison what doors (laughs) and the prince says the door is right behind you. And they they all slowly turn and look at the massive sliding kitchen door right behind them and go, Oh, oh, oh this is this door. How silly. It's the it's just a kitchen and it's empty. It's really great. He
1: insists on seeing for himself, and we get the spake out where we think that he's because he walks in and we see him turn around slowly, and the music is kind of swelling, and we think he's gonna turn around. cinderella will be there
0: but no it's empty even though we just saw cinderella in that room um we just saw her so we're all just sort of confused it it was (laughs) it was a great fake out and the prince is also surprised because you can tell that he thought there was going to be someone there because nothing else would explain that incredibly bizarre behavior
1: maybe they just had like a really messy kitchen and
0: they were embarrassed that the prince was gonna look i've done that dance we mm -hmm. So the stepmother then begs the prince to take one of her daughters, saying things like, Calliope is smarter than she looks, and Minerva is as strong as an ox and has memorized the wreck of the Hesperus in three languages, four if you count pig Latin. She also said Calliope has charm and elocution. Yep. Which I
1: love as, like, her top selling points.
0: Yep. Which, by the way, she does not have charm, so at least one of those things is a lie so the prince walks outside just in time to see cinderella from behind and she has dropped her bag as the carriage that he arrived in has startled her and we get the the we get the meet cute scene again
1: yeah so it's the same thing all over again you know she's trying across the street the carriage blocks her way um and he goes, What did you say your name was? Oh no, he goes, no, he goes, just like those royals, yeah. isn't it? Not caring if they're in anybody's way. But
0: like the look on his face, he recognizes her instantly from behind. Yes. And I appreciated that so much.
1: And he he picks up on the fact that it's her from the ball and her from like the village market. Yes. And they do the whole, I'm sure they were going somewhere important. And he asked her. What did you say your name was? And she okay. says Cinderella. And he says Cinderella. I like
0: it. It's so sweet. It's. I'm so happy that he recognizes her. Yes. The Lionel does bring out the shoe when she tries the shoes on and it fits and the stepmother screams no. And then we get
1: impossible things are happening every day. And the fairy godmother transforms her into bridal clothes, which is jumping the gun a little bit. But well, she's a
0: fairy godmother. I'm pretty sure she could assume. But they were they're kissing at this point. They're kissing, and then we cut to them kissing again in their wedding carriage. Still kissing. I think it's the same kiss. I don't I think, think they've stopped kissing the whole no, time. I think they're just made out the whole time. It's very sweet kissing. They seem very happy. They're full of just smiles and laughter and waving. And then uh, Whitney Houston sings a song that is not in any of the other ones, and it's this bizarre croony someone wants you you know who now you're living there's music in you there's yes thank you I I... my notes just trail off and go dot 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 weird song
1: yeah it's not a great song and it doesn't like showcase Whitney Houston's talent nope nope considering it must have been written for her it really doesn't do a good job of just like playing to her strengths It's just kind of like a middle-of-the-road, ballady, kind of
0: boring, back-of-the-book number. And she's been so bold in her choices and how she's chosen to act the fairy godmother and the way she's chosen to deliver her lines. I was disappointed because this isn't a traditional Rodgers and Hammerstein-esque song. It's not hard to write Rodgers and Hammerstein-esque pieces. Like, it's, it's a whole genre. So it would not have been hard to either just make something that fit or do something bold and dramatic that fit Whitney Houston and they chose to do neither of those so we get this weird wishy song
1: and it's also also very 90s and it's like very overt you have power and Mm -hmm. believe in yourself Mm -hmm. like some of the things are like you can move a mountain you can light the sky make a wish come true there's music in you
0: it's meh she's also invisible to everybody because she appears in large crowds of people but no one sees her except us so she's now invisible
1: and because she's singing this really long song but the story has effectively ended we have to stretch out what's happening on the screen Mm -hmm. in order to give her time to finish the song so we see the prince and cinderella riding in the carriage and they're waving to people and then we see him helping her out of the carriage and then we see them walking up the stairs and kind of looking over their shoulders and waving to everybody. And then we see them go inside and then we see them get married and it pans up to Whitney Houston and then it pans back down to them. Well, and it's just on. so much.
0: We, we do get one last great scene where we see everyone coming into the castle courtyard for their wedding and the gates close, the big gates close with the clang as the stepmother and stepsisters have just gotten blocked out and they sort of shout no let us in we're family and it's it's a fun little come up that's moment. good i like that that was a good they needed to have that scene i appreciated that they get married there's a marriage ceremony it's just whitney houston sort of warbling over the rest of it and then uh she flies up into the air and just drips glitters and sparkles all over the castle she's now the size of the castle
1: Yes, it looks like the genie on the cover of the Aladdin cartoon. Yes,
0: very much. It's a very Aladdin genie feel to it. And then we are finished. They they also kiss. They do kiss. Well, I mean, they've been kissing. But they kiss
1: again now that they're married.
0: Yes, but then she's over the castle, floaty, sparkly, and then it ends. Okay. Yeah, it ends with her floating over a a giant see-through top half of Whitney Houston floating over a castle dripping sparkles and spirals like that's how it ends okay but that's not the part I care about well no no obviously but it is how moving on so what was your highs and lows for this be oh that's so hard I know right
1: I I don't think I have a low, like there was nothing that I disliked to the point where I could single it out. I think, I just, I am not a huge fan of the In My Own Little Corner song, but mm-hmm. like it worked for me this time. I think my lows were the parts where they hurt Cinderella's feelings, because it hurt my feelings.
0: <laughs> and I was like, I
1: don't like that, I don't I want don't that. that. <laughs> Um, I think my high has to be the Two Steps Sisters song. I just I have watched that song separately, yep. just like since I saw this <laughs> recently <laughs> multiple times. I get such a kick out of it. Their singing voices are so excellent and also so comedic.
0: Mm-hmm. They I do very like, strident voices.
1: It's hilarious and it's very catchy. I, what are okay. your highs and lows?
0: Well, you keep stealing mine. I think we need to reverse the order that we ask these questions. In. Sorry. Um so I think Milo would have to be either that last Whitney Houston song.
1: Yeah, that was
0: great. We didn't need that. Uh we could have literally just ended on a kiss and the stepmother screaming, "No!" and then she could have appeared and sung "Impossible." And then we could have just been done. Mhm. That would have been okay. So I don't think we needed that last song. So I would say that that's my low. And my high would be... Obviously, it's the Stepsister song, but you stole mine. So... If you want that one, I'll pick a different high. No, no, you had it first. Um, I think I would choose their 10 Minutes Ago song, which is normally not my favorite. But he sings to her with such a big smile on his mm-hmm. face and his eyes just light up and she's so happy and they're having such a lovely waltz. I think I I think I think that's it. I I love that scene. The costumery overall was absolutely staggering. Oh, I yeah. loved it. But as a single high unit, it would it would be the um 10 minutes ago song. Mm. Yep. So what would you change about this movie? Gosh. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would probably, like you said, like not do that last song. Yeah. Or just like do a song at the end because I did like seeing them get married and stuff like that. 100%. I just wish it had been more integrated. Yeah. Maybe like, I know this is blasphemous, but maybe instead of having Whitney Houston sing it by herself, maybe have it like a
0: group song yeah that would have been fine just having multiple people sing a line here a line there i think that would have been fun yeah or they could have just done something because it's not an original to the it's not an original song they could have just done something better else something bold they could have just made a different decision yeah I would change the scenes where Lionel falls off the ladder because he doesn't need to fall off a ladder. There's better physical comedy you can do. Pie in the faces are comedic, tripping over things are comedic. You don't have to fall off of ladders. It's painful, it's dangerous. You can hurt your spine, you can break bones. Don't, don't do it. It's really scary to fall off ladders. Oh, are you okay? I was on a 30 foot ladder in my backyard uh, on painting my shed and I didn't put it at a good angle. Oh. or brace it properly and I did not fall however my ladder went from you know 75 degrees to 45 degrees real fast and scared the fuck out of me so yes I would change the falling off the ladder scenes that doesn't need to happen that's unkind I think we can just agree our listeners should absolutely watch this
1: oh yeah oh yeah, my gosh yeah I will even go so far to say as that um I insist that you watch this mm-hmm and if you feel like this isn't, like, your thing, you should still watch it.
0: It's really good. If you don't feel like you have the time to watch the whole thing, just watch the girl like her. Just, just watch the stepsister scene. It's sufficient. If you can't watch the whole thing, if it's too much of a time sink, we know you're busy. Everybody's working hard. Everybody's got stress. Watch a girl like her. It's worth it two minutes long great I
1: mean I went into this thinking you know this wasn't like a childhood favorite I'm an adult now this isn't really meant for me I'm gonna like it but I'm not gonna like love it no I take it all back I love this I like I genuinely love this
0: so do you like this more this time than you when we watched it originally
1: yes I like it more this time me too I don't know why it's just like it's been steadily growing on me and like I don't know that it's the best movie that we've seen but it
0: is so charming I I'll tell you what it is I think it's that the middle one was so bad that by (laughs) comparison it just curved that one just sunk the grade so low that the curve is better now.
1: I think I think musicals work better when you're already familiar with the songs and when we watched it I was not familiar with the songs. That's true. And then this time around I've heard them three more times and I can sing along if I wanted to. I've I didn't. had my expectations lowered. And I just I feel like taking notes as I watched it made me really appreciate all the details that went into this. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed a lot of like like I just noticed a lot more little moments that I didn't before. Also, and maybe it is having seen like some real duds, but the romance in this is off the charts.
0: It is so cute. It's absolutely adorable. I don't think that it's my favorite romance between characters. But it's definitely there. It's definitely strong. It's definitely excellent. I don't think it's my favorite.
1: Okay, well, my grade for this is an A plus. I I thought going into this it would probably be like an A minus somewhere around there, and I'm just like, I had such a good time. I don't know.
0: I'm gonna give this one an A because I really enjoyed it. There were a couple of things that just. Mm, the last Whitney Houston song why is it there Um,
1: oh my god oh can I still give it an A plus yes I still give it an A
0: plus that's fine um I'm, I'm giving it an A there were a couple of things that bugged me so that I don't feel right giving it an A plus but definitely an A so another question which I haven't asked what um what horrible Cinderella thing are you extremely grateful was not in this? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that Cinderella didn't have an answer when they asked her what her <laughs> opening line for the prince would be.
0: So my, my gut answer is, I'm so glad her father was dead. <laughs> but Honestly, I was really happy that this movie was handled with no racism. Yes! As oh my god, that was so nice. I loved it. So I was so happy that there were no... Nobody played any comedy race-related beats.
1: hmm
0: It was just... Uh, Minerva's funny because she's short and plump.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She she's not funny because she's black she's funny because she's short and plump cinderella is not beautiful and sweet because she's black she's just beautiful and sweet the prince isn't like played as being super intelligent or like an a, a traditional asian stereotype he's just gorgeous
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's i it felt I re- like a
1: very comfortable world to like exist in for like yeah the hour and a half that the movie went like i felt so like just secure watching it i knew nothing bad was gonna happen
0: yeah it's so nice where you're like oh no there's nothing there's not gonna be anything horrible this they did this properly this is a nice universe where humans aren't xenophobic i like this i i want to watch this again and just stay in this non-xenophobic world it's a
1: fairy tale it's a beautiful beautiful fairy tale and they did it so right Mm mm-hmm well it's almost midnight so thanks for joining us if you like this episode please leave us a rating or a review we'd love to hear from you so follow us on at cinderpod on twitter and instagram like our facebook page or email us at the podcast at gmail.com if you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's cinderella again but with more adult beverages and the ever after party please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod our intro music is bad ideas by kevin mcleod You can find him at Incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.